This morning's lectionary text reading scripture um, is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. We sometimes, I think, forget that most of the congregations, the families of faith to whom Paul was writing, were mostly brand new, in a sense, in a metaphorical Advent season, anticipating, awaiting, in particular, the return of the Prince of Peace, the return of Christ. But a hallmark, of course, of Advent is waiting and anticipation. And as they waited, Paul wrote to communities of faith of every century these absolutely beautiful words. I thank God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless. This ends the reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And may these words, which once transformed that congregation's heart, transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. 134 years ago this month, our church was brand new as well. Our church literally began with the Advent season, the time of anticipation, waiting, and hoping. And in Advent of 1887, 134 years ago, we, the First Congregational Church, received a letter from Dowagiac, Michigan, a letter I've quoted you for you several times. It came from the Reverend P.W. Perry, accepting in his epistle to be the new pastor of this church. And he was honest and hopeful and had a sense of anticipation about the future of their shared life together. He wrote to us in our very first Advent season that he did not expect to find a perfect church and that they should not expect a perfect pastor, but together they would seek to bear one another's burdens in Christ's name. Our very first Advent, a brand new family of faith. But each and every year we come to the Advent season, which is a time of hope, anticipation, and waiting. But it's also, I think, a time to remember. Perhaps to remember that every Christian congregation at some point was brand new. The church in Philippi, maybe it was 1950 or so years ago, was brand new. Every faith community has its own Advent season, and it comes every year, the hope and anticipation for tomorrow. 
But Advent is a good time to prepare for Christ's birth, but it's also then perhaps a good time to remember the birth of the church. The birth, that the birth of Jesus helps to make every birth holy. And I think that's worth remembering as well. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said that remembering, remembering is essential for anticipation. Remembering is essential for waiting. He reminded us that our lives, no matter how much we think they are, they're not linear. They don't begin at point A like a train leaving a station and arrive at point B, and that we can only be in one place at a time. Instead, Lewis said, because, because we are able to remember, we are forever in every place we have ever been. And the Apostle Paul had been to Philippi, and he remembered the kindness and the hospitality of that brand new church in Philippi in its metaphorical Advent days. I always imagined that wherever they were gathered that day, after receiving Paul's letter, they read his opening words maybe around, well, around a table that had bread and wine on it, and that their hearts were warmed not only by the embers in the hearth, but by these beautiful and sweet words, I thank God, he wrote to them, every time I remember you. Constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for each of you. I mean, I don't know what happened, but I imagine some of them looking down, maybe nodding, some even smiling, gratefully remembering Paul as well. Remembering that Paul wasn't perfect, but then again, neither are they. Paul writes to assure this newly minted Christian church in its hopeful and expectant Advent season with these words that are saturated with gratitude. And that grateful, deeply grateful spirit is particularly striking when we remember the context from which Paul was writing. He was in jail, and yet he remembers them with delight. So when Paul, in prison, put pen to parchment, maybe, maybe he was thinking of Lydia, a businesswoman in Philippi who loved and worshipped God and Christ. She desired to be baptized, and after being baptized, invited Paul and Silas to reside in her home and supported their ministry of God's love. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, and in this morning's Advent reading, shows us the centrality, the sufficiency of a grateful heart in difficult days. And we have known, friends, some difficult days. And Paul writes to us, I thank my God every time I remember you, praying with joy for all. I imagine that that spirit of gratitude might have saved Paul in prison. Maybe, maybe even granting him the elusive gift of patience. I mean, not many of us have been to jail, but everyone understands how difficult it is to wait. I mean, the connotation of the word to wait is overwhelmingly negative. Seldom is it joyful or grateful. I mean, waiting we think of as wasted time. The ice melts, the 
salad wilts and, and you know your time is being wasted when your Kirschbaums and the young woman behind the counter sweetly says, 19, who has number 19? And I have number 57. <laughs> the idea of waiting and coupling it to the anticipation of Advent hope, I mean, that's a tough sell, friends. But Paul's letter to the Philippians is balm to our hearts for this second Sunday of Advent as we wait for the Prince of Peace. But so are these words, a balm to our heart. Yet another verse I read to you is well worth remembering this morning. Paul wrote to the Philippians and to us, I hold you in my heart. The Apostle Paul knew, as Reverend Perry knew about this church, that the Philippians weren't perfect, but then again, neither was he. But Paul writes, I hold you in my heart. And I want to suggest to you that that verse in Scripture may be the perfect verse for a congregation. I mean, it's the perfect verse for really any relationship with a partner, a friendship, a parent, or a child, but a church that wants to say and hear things from each other. Because here's what the scholars who know the original language that Paul wrote in tell us about that verse, I hold you in my heart. It is translated equally accurately in yet another way, and they don't know which one is right. And it's so beautiful that it can mean either thing. I hold you in my heart can also be translated, you hold me in yours. That may be the perfect verse of scripture for a congregation. I hold you in my heart, you hold me in yours. Every congregation was once brand new. Every congregation began with an Advent season. Every one of them began with an anticipation and an expectation, a hope of loving one another. And I think of praying and of hearing, I hold you in my heart, you hold me in yours. On this second Sunday of Advent, we remember, we anticipate, and we wait. Saying as we move into an unknown future, we hold each other in our hearts and bear one another's burdens in Christ's name. And so we wait in preparation, in expectation, and for today, to sustain us in that wait, we gather at this table of love and forgiveness.